Welcome to the Life Pro Podcast, where today I have the pleasure of having John Papaloni, who is the CEO of Papaloni Capital. And today's topic is starting a business. But before we get into that, John, how are you today? I'm doing absolutely fantastic, all energized and ready to go. Super excited, here to provide a lot of value, hopefully. Absolutely. And I love this topic because I, you know, I like to think of myself as an entrepreneur by nature. You know, I've had my successes and my failures and then my lessons through the years. So I'm excited to, uh, you know, go with you there and, and talk about all the things that we've learned through our lives. Uh, why don't you start out and tell everybody a little bit more about yourself uh, and your journey in life? What's brought you to, to, to today? Absolutely. Well, I'm a serial entrepreneur. It was one of those things that I started when I was younger. And my intent was never really to be an entrepreneur. I just wanted to be on the radio. And I knew that there were two ways to get on the radio. It's either you become so damn popular, they have to let you on, or that you got to go to school for it and then qualify and all that crap. So I decided, and based on my last answer, I'm sure you can tell which direction I went. Yes. So um, what ended up happening was that I became a DJ when I was a kid. I was 15 years old, and this was my plan. I, like, I'm very methodic. So I got records, and I wanted to, like, my first job was at McDonald's, and it wasn't for everybody that, like, like why everybody does it, which is to earn money, whatever. I just wanted to have a way to pay for records. So I got it, got enough records. McDonald's was done. I got into the nightclub scene, built a name. I got live on radio through that. I, as I was playing at the nightclub, the radio stations were live. I got to play on the radio. And as well as I did my co-op in uh, school through that. So uh, so with that being said, so then came along my next venture, which was my marketing business. And in my print marketing business, I found a niche market through wholesaling. And I built that business to about eight figures a year. And then I sold it in 2007. So then from that point in time, I kind of went back to the roots of being in love with radio, but this time I was going to start my own, but not the FM dial. I started an online radio. So I was a cross mix between like I had click radio, which was my online media. And it was exactly like the FM dial just on the internet. And at the time you had a Blackberry app. So if you had a Blackberry, you can listen to it in your car. And with that being said, I also had what was called click GTA which was more like an online, not, I don't want to say a magazine, but it's almost like an online blog and you can add events around the uh, city and you can buy tickets for different events around the city. So I kind of did those hand in hand. Um, I ended up closing down that business in, I think it was 2010 or 11, somewhere around there when my, uh, my mom was sick throughout the whole time. So, but then my dad got sick. So at that point in time, I ended up staying home and uh, I actually stopped working. I, I closed the business for that reason. I tried one year of trying to get an employee run where I was not there at all. And I went from profitable to losing. I lost about 30,000 bucks and I had to decide how long I was going to keep losing before I just cut it out. And yeah. I thought, since I didn't know how long it was going to be out, yeah. I decided that it was time, right? Because I, it could have been three, four years, who knows, right? So yeah. it ended up being three, four years, but uh, I wasn't sure. So at that point in time, I, my dad went into a retirement home where my mom went and I had to decide, what am I going to do with myself now? So I thought, you know, my parents are landlords. Um, I'm always going to open houses. I'm not buying, but the people, realtors there don't know that. So um, I thought, why don't I do this and find a way to make money? Yeah. So I got my realtor's license and things progressed from there. So I've been in, I got my realtor's license for about eight years. And I decided that I got my mortgage license as well. Uh, that one went there was just by fluke because I was trying to build up my uh, fund, which is Papaloni Capital. And I didn't know how to do that. And I was trying to figure out how do I get into that? I got... 12 different lawyers and accountants all give me different advice. One person told me I didn't even need to incorporate, which I knew that was the wrong advice. <laughs> and 
you know, it was one of those things that got different advice. One person says you can do what you want by getting a mortgage license. All right, I'll get a mortgage license if that's the easy route. Um, right. It was not the easy route and it was not the right advice. And, you know, now there was what the person was talking about if I want to do private equity loans, but that's not really what I wanted to get into. So kind of good thought. Wrong advice. Anyways, more of the stories. I figured it out. Figured it out by fluke. So I built up this fund, and now I saw my media business on the side. Again, serial entrepreneur. I'm working on four yeah. things: media business, which includes my podcast, my speaking gigs, and uh, some business consulting stuff like that. Then I have my uh, realtor's license, my mortgage license, and I have my capital business. Now, my capital business and my media business are my two main ones. The fact that I have a mortgage license and a real estate license is really just a bonus. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting because we have very similar paths. Um, and, you know, this past year, I kind of was in a transition mode. Uh, I had at the time, you know, last year I had three businesses. Since then, I've sold off one business and I've shut down two businesses. More recently, like my uh, I sent I shut down one business last week. It was hard. And it was, you know, similar trajectory as yours. It was like we started losing a lot of money every month. And it was like, all right, how do we turn these things around? We started throwing kind of good money at bad and hoping that things would turn around and it, it just never did. And we just dug a big hole. And then at some point it's, we had to just call it quits and it, it's hard to make that decision, right? It hearts, it's hard to make a decision to start a business and it's hard as a decision to, to close a business. Um, those are very pivotal times. Um, but getting into our topic of starting a business, 16% um, of the workforce in the U S starts their own business, runs their own business, which you know, I think that's, that's, I don't know if I have to think that's high or low, but you know, it's, it's an interesting number that maybe almost one in five people try to run their own business. And uh, I think the stats are one in five businesses actually close the first year and half businesses fail in the first five years. Um, so let's talk about the uh, advantages and disadvantages of starting your own business. Absolutely. Advantage of starting your own business is you get to do whatever you want and everyone does the work for you. Now that's false. You actually work more hours by being in your own business. I quit my nine to five, 40 hour a week business with a guaranteed salary. So I can work 80 hours and not make money some weeks. Right. That's the harsh reality. The harsh but, reality. Yes. But you do that because you have a sense of purpose. It's more than just the money and you have a certain objective and that is the path to get to your objective. So you're not looking short term, which a lot of people, the reason why one in five fail in the first year is because they got into it for the wrong reason. Their heart is not really in it. They're doing everything because they think it's a get rich quick scheme, sort of like uh, house flipping. Everyone sees HGTV. They, say, they see these flips. Wow, they're making 40 grand. They're doing it every 90 days. That's like $160,000 a year. I could do that. And then they get the first flip and they lose. Yeah. And because you don't see what goes on behind the scenes and all the heartaches it took to get there. And also you don't know your numbers and you have to learn your numbers before you even get into it. Um, and whatever you think your number is triple it. And that's your real number. Right. Right. And when, it, when it comes to expenses. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. No, so hard. again, it's, it's all proper planning and you have to have a long-term objective. As long as you have the long-term objective and you're willing to be consistent, you have a chance. I think the toughest part of starting a business, especially for me and the people that I know, is finding an idea that you can be passionate about, that you really believe in. I think that's the toughest part, 
Do you have any idea, uh, any suggestions for people on how to explore ideas and how to find the path that they should take, assuming that that, that starting a business is for them? Absolutely. Stop looking. And my reasoning is that that's the problem in itself. We're looking for something that may not even exist. And then we're right. trying to find that perfect opportunity, which is no such thing. I mean, at the end of the day, if I turn around and said money was no object to you, and, and I got to tell you, I go, hey, money's no object. What do you want to do? You're going to have to tell me something that you want to do. Right. So that's where you start off with. When you take that money out of the equation and you tell me what you want to do, then you find a way to make money doing that. Right. And that's the easiest way to find your passion. Yeah. But, you know, it's tough. Sometimes we feel the pressures of paying expenses. You have a family, you have a mortgage, you have kids. And you're like, you you have a number in mind, like, I need to make X number of dollars. And there's all this pressure. Uh, it's hard. It's really hard to relax <laughs> and, and let it come to you. It's hard because we complicate it for ourselves. Because it's really, you know what? A lot of the people say, oh, I want to be in a safe spot. I don't I, I don't want to take any chances. Like you said, I got family. Guess what? Doing your nine to five is the most dangerous thing you could possibly do. Because at the end of the day, you're going to work there. You're going to dedicate yourself for this company who all they care about is dividends and uh, shareholders. And what yeah. ends up happening is you're going to become 55 when nobody wants to hire you. And they're going to say, guess what? We expect to make $5 billion. We only made $1 billion. You're fired. And yeah. then now you're going, okay, I'll get another job. Doing what? Right? So you, you can't just blindly, arbitrarily get yourself into some situation and think it's safe because they're paying you this week. So it's just as dangerous as it is to stay where you are as it is to take action. So right. my advice here is what you want to do is if you're in that situation, like you said, where you have your family and you're worried about that, there's no reason you can't start your passion part-time. You got nine to five to collect your salary because nobody's firing you today. I said, what well, could, yeah. could happen in the future? Yeah. In the meantime, yeah. you still have your salary. So yeah. keep that going, support your family with that. And then start your passion, maybe doing three times a week, three hours a, a, a night each for three times a week, just like going to the gym, except do this instead of what you do with the gym, which is give up. Um, yeah. Actually go do it three hours a week, nine hours a week, and you start building momentum. As you start building momentum, you increase your time. What ends up happening is eventually your profits outweigh your salary. Then you go work part-time so that your uh, part-time is your uh, play money and your uh, profits are how you build. And then when you get so damn busy that you can keep up, then you give up your job entirely and you keep moving forward and growing and learn to collaborate because uh, the more you collaborate with other people, the more you grow. You know, it's that term, the more you know, the more you're worth. And, yeah. and it's the same thing. It's like your competition isn't your competition. Your competition is your opportunity to meet and grow and network. Yeah. The faster you learn that collaboration over competition is the winning solution, the faster you can grow and the faster you can build. And eventually, you know, you can grow through either natural growth through consistency or learn to acquire. Acquisition is the easiest way to grow. You find somebody who's either at your level, slightly better or slightly under, not a lot, just slightly is the key word, and you acquire them and that you instantly double your business. Yeah. No, I, I, I have to preface this by saying 100% agree with you. You know, start small, fight your battles, but there's an argument to be made as far as like focusing, like focusing on something and putting 100% of your effort behind uh, that goal. Uh, so what, I mean, what argument do you have for that? I mean, is there is there an argument to be made for focusing 100% on something to make it be successful? Absolutely, there is. I mean, right. You, you want the you want the most uh, chance for success. 
if you have a kitty in the bank and you have six months of supply and Do you it. can survive six months without an income, quit your damn job yeah. and then go all in. That's, that's, that's the easiest way to do it. Yeah. But that's also the scariest way to do it. And that scariest way to do it sometimes, as much as that may be the right thing, sometimes doing that the right thing, people won't do it. And that'll be their obstacle for not doing something. So I'd rather you start slowly and build than to just to come up with and say, I have an idea, live miserably and never do it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, starting business is not easy. Uh, and we talked about 50% of businesses fail in the first five years. I'm a, I'm a huge Marcus Limonis fan. Are you familiar with Marcus Limonis? Not offhand. Well, he, uh, he has a show on TV on CNBC and he basically comes in and, uh, you know, helps restructure, invest in businesses that have potential. And he preaches, uh, the three P's of business, which are people process and product. So let's talk about, you know, you, you talked about, it's important and crucial to know your numbers, right? To understand where your revenue and expenses and your profit margins and your and having your niche. Let's talk about the three P's. Like uh, I found that, you know, having the right product obviously is very important. Building a process is super important. And I think most of all is having the right people is is really what makes, makes or breaks a business. So let's talk about your experience with the, with the three P's. Look, one thing I've learned is the people are the most important. You can have a, a mediocre product. You can have uh, a process that needs work. But if you have, uh, if you're in the right room with the right people, they can help you correct that. They can help you grow. They can help you help you build and they can support you because too many times we try to do everything by ourselves. And by trying to do everything by yourselves is the whole reason why you have everything else that's mediocre. And if I'd learned to collaborate again and work like the best book, I can give you a book that you should read and I'll give you the answer to everything. It's called who, not how, uh, right? Yeah. Stop worrying I'm, about how to do something and start worrying about who you're going to do it with. And I'm, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm reading that currently. So it's funny you brought that up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right? Like it, it is the true thing, right? It is you can't become a billionaire hanging around with a bunch of people who just went bankrupt. Yeah. Right. It's a, and it's not saying that billionaires are going to hang out with you when you're starting. But right. the point I'm getting at is the fact that you always want to be the dumbest person in the room. The minute you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And I'm not saying that means you go in and all right, this person doesn't fit my thing. He's cut off. I, I might have known him since grade school, but screw him. I, I know that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you got to position yourself and the people who can help elevate you. And if there's somebody who's negative and you know, those people who come around saying, Oh, the problem with this, the problem with that. And the problem is that you're hanging out with that person who has a problem because no matter what, what solution you provide, there's a problem. And that'll always be the case. Cause that's who they are. What you got to do is again, if it's somebody close, doesn't mean you cut them off, but you limit your time. So you get limited exposure to that and you get around people who can help you and encourage you. What you when you're sharing your idea with someone, you're not looking for uh, how great of an idea you have. You're not looking for an attaboy, you know, and a pat on the back. What you're looking for is a uh, an objective opinion or objective, you know, thought that can actually be helpful. Like maybe, you know, get an angle that you never thought of. But I mean, a, a constructive criticism, I think is what they call it. And that's what you're looking for. Or, you, you know, you're looking to see if the person has interest in it themselves, which kind of gauges where, you know, where your target is. So you're looking for people to elevate you and help you. I mean, yeah, maybe your idea of spending $10,000 a day on Facebook is the wrong idea. But tell me how bad an idea doesn't help. 
Now I'm turning around and saying, okay, you can only need 500 on space on Facebook, but if you spend another 500 on LinkedIn or you go and network with people and you just spend, you know, lunch to network with somebody, you meet the right people. And by meeting that person, you can save yourself all that ad money. That That's constructive criticism. That's an actual, yeah. something that I can put into practice. Yeah. Telling me that my idea is crap does not put it into practice. So again, if you notice, like we're going to take police officers. If you noticed, as an example, if you notice a lot, a lot of times when you see a police officer off duty, they're hanging out with other police officers. Why? Not because, you know, oh, we don't like the general public. What happens is, is people you can relate to. People can help you in the industry. People who can get you to that next promotion. It's people who have been there longer that you can learn from. People tend to be around people uh, like, you know, like they like themselves. And yeah. if you want to be that entrepreneur, then you have to think like an entrepreneur. And they have to be around other entrepreneurs and you have to be around people who have succeeded in order yeah. to help you succeed as well. So again, it goes back to what I just said. It's not, it's not how you do something. It's who you do it with. What are your suggestions as far as uh, networking, right? There's different ways, there's conferences, there's uh, meetup groups. Uh, what, what suggestions do you have for people to kind of, uh, you know, network with the right people? Well, very simple. What product are you, do you have? And where are the people using that product located? Don't go to a uh, supplier event if you're trying to attract customers. Mm. You know, what I mean? like like sometimes you see those conferences where it's all about new products and all that. That's fine and dandy, mm. but you haven't sold your first product, your current product. Why do you need new products? Yeah, don't worry about the new products. Maybe it's good to know. And if you want to do that because you have time, by all means. But don't expect to get anything of value from that other than to learn what's coming up. Yeah. Okay. Instead. Where do people go who are looking for solutions? You know what I mean? Like, like you're not like even say real estate again, since I know that when you go to the home show, a lot of times people are going there. You got a bunch of uh, construction people, you know what I mean? Builders and roofers and all that. Those people can't help you. What you want is to get the people in the show looking. You want to meet those people because those right. are the ones that are going to help you as a realtor, as an example, or a mortgage broker. Right. Those are the people that's going to help you. It's the people looking, the ones at the show saying, hey, we got this new roofing. We got this and that big friggin' deal. They're not buying from you. Mm. So again, key components, right? Supply and supply conferences don't help you. But if you go to events like prime example, again, I'm going to use real estate. There's a multifamily conference that uh, is usually going around. Well, hey, you know what? There's a bunch of investors going to learn how to buy multifamily. You're a realtor. Guess what? I can help you buy that. Right, because I have the inventory, I know where they are, and I can help you find that inventory and get some off-market deals. Are you interested? A lot of people are there. Okay, well, I'm interested. Now, how do I buy it? Well, this conference just told you what to do. I'm the who you can do that with. Mm. And now you got a conversation going. Yeah, absolutely. Right? That's an example. And I just use real estate as an example. This applies to every business. You got to figure out where the people are going, and you got to be the center of attention in that group. Yeah. Put yourself out there, take the risks, speak up, talk to the right people and know, know when to move on to to, diff, to the to other people when if you're not talking to the right people. Well, here's the other point. You just brought up something. Now, not everyone believes that you're there to convince people that your product's the best. You're not going to convince anybody of anything. When was the last time somebody knocked on your door and said, I get the best product and you go, I'm not interested. How many times are they, have they talked yourself to death and you're, and all of a sudden, oh, you know what? I'm glad you talked to me because you changed my mind. I am now interested. Doesn't I'm going to bet that 99.9% .9 of the people who watched that said never. 
So if that's the case, why do you think you're going to convince somebody? Right. You're, not, you're not looking to convince anybody. What you're looking for are people who are looking for your product, just don't know who to go to because they don't know who to trust. Right. Yeah. So uh, we talked about people a little bit, and this has always been, you know, a, a fascinating topic for me as far as, you know, within my network of friends, um, you know, I have friends that are their business. Basically, they they run the business rather than owning a business. So let's talk about the difference of being basically on the business or in the business, I guess is better wording. Well, if you're in the business, you basically bought yourself a job. Yeah. If you're working on the business, you're looking for growth and you're looking for, uh, you know, scaling opportunities and you're not going to learn to scale if you're still doing production. I think it comes down to trust, right? Like you have to, you have to be able to trust, trust, but verify, I like to say. Right. Well, I believe that lack of trust is something internal within yourself, not necessarily the people working for you, because most likely you hired somebody. And if you hired the right person, why don't you trust them? What have they done to you to make you doubt them? You're taking your experience growing up and you're seeing all the negative that happened around you. Yeah. And you're uh, taking it out as if it's everybody else that does that. At the end of the day, if you can't trust the person that's working for you, you hired the wrong person. So very simple. Look at your staff, find out who you can trust, look at the rest of the staff and fire them. Because if you can't trust them, they shouldn't be working with you. Right. That's really that simple. Because a bad staff person is like cancer. It spreads like wildfire. And what you want to do is weed them out before they destroy the rest of this company. Right. And, you know, hire slowly, fire quickly. Yeah. I love so, that concept. I, I 100% agree with it. And, you know, you learn the hard way, right? You learn by experiencing it. And I think that's the epitome of this, right? Like if you really believe in the, what you're doing and what you're starting as a business, um, you'll do whatever it takes to be successful and you won't let anybody stand in your way. Um, absolutely. But now, now I, I want to bring up one point here is that nothing in life is going to be perfect. Nobody's going to be you, but you don't need that. What you're looking for is somebody who's going to do the best they can. It's going to be good enough. Too many people strive for perfection. You're never going to get there. You're going to get outsold by your competition because you're still trying to be perfect. So get good enough and improve each day. Eventually you'll have a winning system that'll yeah. please more people than not. Yeah. And I think that's key, right? Like when you're starting out, you want to make progress every day on a business. And once you've plateaued, you want to keep changing and keep improving uh, and getting it ahead of your competition, because there's always somebody there to, to take your spot. There's always somebody to look into, especially when you're successful, you have a bigger target on your back. But when you're not successful, uh, which, you know, starting a business, you are going to hit roadblocks. It's inevitable for every business, right? And it's, it's, it's inevitable to get discouraged and want to fold. Even though you believe in, in something, times will get rough. What advice do you have for people that that hit those roadblocks? And you've probably been there with businesses, right? Like uh, maybe second guessing yourself. Maybe maybe it's not for me. Maybe I can't do this. Everybody goes through that, that uh, equation. And if you're willing to give up that quickly, don't even start. Just keep your nine to five. Keep your, you know, looking forward. And don't worry about it. The faster you can drop it, the faster you can give up on it and put it out of your mind and just say, this is what I want. The yeah. faster you become happy 
Now, yeah. if you're looking at that and going, well, no, I'm not going to give it up. That means it's because you really want it. And if that you're one of those, then you got to keep pushing forward. A lot of times what happens is we feel defeated like that because we're trying to conquer the world in a day. Right. What happens is break down your goals, break down your steps each day into small little chunks, celebrate the small wins yeah. and you're not going to win all the time. And just realize that and understand that now be grateful for the wins you do have and keep moving forward. And the more small wins you have, the better you'll feel about it. And just learn to, you know, you have a bad day, you have a bad loss, no problem. Go home, you know, have a beer or a wine or whatever, or water, and then, or coffee, whatever it is that your uh, vice is, you know, have five minutes to boohoo yourself and then move on and never think about it again and move forward the next day going after more small wins. Eventually, what you'll notice is you have more small wins than losses, and that in itself will help you get past that hump. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree with that 100%. Um, one question for you. Um, so when when starting a business, should you always have an exit strategy in mind? No. Okay. If you want to exit, that means you don't really want to do what you want to do. You're, why would you want to leave something that's working well for you? Right. Right. It's like that saying, go big or go home. Why the hell would anyone want to go home? Yeah. It should be go big or go bigger. But that's uh, that's the complete opposite of what's happening these days, right? With all these VC firms, it's all everybody's just looking to, you know, none of these major companies are making any money anymore. It's just about building net worth of the company or the worth of the company and selling. So it's it's kind of counterintuitive to what's actually going on. But that's because that's what's in the forefront and everyone's paying attention to the news. Everyone's paying attention to the big, bad old media guys. Ooh, watch out. Because you know what? If I turn around and tell you Apple's doing really, really well, that's not news. Who gives a shit? You expect them to right. be doing well. Part of my language. Um, but I mean, they're not doing well. They had a bad fourth quarter, but that's not the point. The point I'm getting at is saying, hey, Apple had a terrible fourth quarter. Sales are down. The iPhone didn't sell as big as they planned. They're talking layoffs. That'll sell more papers. Yeah. So, right? That is way more attractive. Now, again, you got to shut out the noise, look forward. And again, remember your values. This is what it comes down to because there are a lot of people making money. Right. Look at, look, I'm going to use real estate again, because I can have live examples. Now give you an example. There's uh, interest rates are at an all time high. I believe the, the U S is 8% here That's in Canada. Right. It's about seven and a quarter. We're slightly lower, but not much. And where I'm going with this. So now that looks like doom and gloom. who, you know, people's mortgage, when you had 2.4%, your mortgage was 2000, get prepared. It's going to be 6,000 soon. And that's doom and gloom. Well, that's it. I can't even sell. I'm going to lose money, blah, 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 blah. Well, if that's the case, you know what? I have people buying homes for $29 million. So does that mean everyone's doom and gloom? No. no. That means small percentage or a certain percentage of people are doom and gloom. So stop looking at the people losing and look for the people winning and figure out what they're doing. And figure out maybe what you have to do is change your market. You know, you're not going to get a bunch of people who can't pay their uh, bills because their salary's being eaten up by the new interest rates. You're not going to get them to buy. They don't have money to buy. So you right. figure out who's got the money. Figure out those who's got the money, who has the disposable income, and figure out ways to service them in a way that they're going to be willing to buy your product. And if you find that one, that person who can afford it, then you're going to continue making sales. 
Everyone right. you're seeing now that are losing, they're caving to the bad news media and they're preparing, they're watching out. But, you know, look, a lot of people are going to watch out now and then they're going to try to get back in and they're going to get back in when it's already peaked again and they're going to go back to losing money because they'll make money because it'll look good. Then the right. drop market will drop and it'll, and then they'll lose money again. And then, and then the story is going to be, you can never make money. How do people do it? No, no, be that guy who, you know, when everyone's running out, you run in. And when everyone's running in, you run out. And that's yeah. really the way to do it. Now, slow and steady. Don't over leverage yourself. You don't need to become a billionaire overnight. There's nothing wrong if you can only afford to have two people on staff because that you don't even, uh, the only thing you make is enough to pay three people. So you're the third person. The other two people are the ones you're paying. Now, when yeah. you your, your business grows, you hire a fourth, and it grows, you hire a fifth. Don't yeah. just try to hire ten people because one day I'm going to make money. Would do it in, in increments, and you can stay ahead of the curve. Look where the trends are. Where are the people going? Where's the attention? Wherever yeah. the attention is, is wherever the spending is, and wherever the spending is, is where you should be. Yeah. When starting a business, do you always pay yourself first? I want to say yes, but the answer is no. I mean, that's what you should do. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You should do it, but it's hard because, you you know, you tend to want to reinvest and keep growing. And I've, I've been in a business where we've reinvested our profits for years to grow and then shit hit the fan. And we were stuck with inventory that we had to sell off and uh, absorb a lot of our profits because we had to liquidate. Yeah, so, well, no, this is my belief. Now, when you get when you get into a business, take out what you need to pay your bills. Right. Like make sure don't run up a debt so the business uh, can grow. Right. Pay your bills at home. That's all you should pay. So prime example, if your home expenses every year is just say $40,000 a year, then pay yourself the $40,000 a year. Live like you make the $40,000 a year and stay even so you don't have debt personally. Consumer goods is the worst way to go to be spending. You don't need consumer, uh, you know, you know, goods out there. Um, you want to do a podcast, use the camera you have. You have one on your iPhone. Great way to start. When you're making enough money, then you can upgrade into the expensive stuff. Don't go on spend it because one day I'm going to make it. That's consumer right. goods. That, uh, that camera will still be there five years from now. Don't worry about that. You know, buy stuff, like for your business, buy stuff that's going to actually grow your business. The stuff that's going to service your customers. For your home stuff, just what you need. The bare minimum of what you need. Pay your mortgage, pay your gas, pay your insurance, and just get by personally. Then reinvest the rest into your business. And when your business grows enough that you can pay yourself the $100,000 a year or one hundred and fifty or whatever, then you increase your salary in increments. So then you can keep, you make sure the business doesn't fall behind. And eventually you get to that one hundred and fifty. And it'll be like nothing. Yeah. I love that advice. And I've learned so much today. You know, Life Pro Podcast is about, you know, there everything in life comes with a manual except for life itself. So, you know, I, I really love what we talked about today because I think a lot of people don't understand all the perspectives of going to business. They a lot of people think that, oh, it's all rosy, it's easy. Owning your, you know, wake up whenever I want, do whatever I want. It's not so easy, but there definitely is a lot of positives to go along with those negatives. Um, so I've learned uh, a lot from you, from your experience, and I've, I'm sure everybody listening has as well. Three questions I have for everybody that's on my show is, uh, what is one thing you want to teach the world does not have to be related to the topic? 
Well, that's very simple. Learn to collaborate. Learn. Don't be afraid in partnerships. Here's another point, right? So many people want to build the business because they want it all mine. I don't want to split it. I'm willing to sacrifice. And reality is that's small thinking and you're going to grow 1% at a time. With two people working together, with two people putting in the value, what ends up happening is you're not doubling your output. Most times you find that when you get two people or three people working together, you're tripling or quadrupling your value. So you want to grow fast, do it in collaboration with people. Don't be afraid of partners. Just have the proper agreement in place because yep. 25% of a million dollars is still a hell of a lot more than 100% of 20,000. Yeah. I mean, I've had a good experience with partnerships through my lives. I think that the 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 problem is equal work. Uh, like, you know, everybody's responsibilities, like, you know, making sure that everybody's fulfilling their obligation. Um, and like you said, in the agreement, there, there must be consequences for not performing uh, what's, re what's responsible for, you know, I've, I've had a partner that, you know, just didn't show up, you know, <laughs> it wouldn't come to work. So yeah, it, we had to provide some sort of measures to balance it out. And it worked out for a while until, until things were rough and it didn't work out. And that's why we moved on. But uh, I agree with you. I what I want to say is that, uh, I, I mean, when I said it, no exit plan, I mean, no exit plan to sell a business for the sake of selling it, just to get out. Yeah. Now, when you have a partnership, there has to be contingencies for exit should something happen. Also, right. if everybody wants to be a graphic designer, that's a bad business partner. What you want to do is get partners that do the stuff you don't want to do and that they yeah. So you got to get ones that complement. You don't need yeah. a design company doesn't need four graphic designers, but it needs a yeah. salesperson. It needs an operator. It needs one graphic designer, and it needs one uh, bill collector. We'll say, right? Yeah. So like you have different roles, and as long as each business partner has their own roles and want to do it, then it's something right. that can work together. Yeah, and a partnership is not always the answer. Sometimes you can just hire people to to fulfill those roles. So it could be unique to your. Uh, to your industry. But, um, you know, I found that when you align goals, if there's incentives for people to work harder than they will, right? So if you have equity in a business, whether it's profit share with your employees, or profit share with a partner, uh, everybody needs incentive. Otherwise, they'll give you the bare minimum. Yep. Yeah. So, so is there, uh, you know, we, we talked about who, not how, uh, as a, as a book that inspired you, is, is there another book that, that maybe changed your perspective on life? Absolutely. I love the book done by Darren Hardy called The Compound Effect. And it's a lot of what we've been talking about. It's really yeah. about uh, taking any idea or anything you do and just doing little increments each day consistently. And you yeah. get the compound effect of that consistency building each day, a little yeah. turning out to be a lot. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the process of starting a new business. And that's my commitment to myself is, you know, even if it's a little step, even if it's an inch every day, even if I'm working on the business plan, uh, move it forward. That's all. You, as long as you're moving forward, you'll, you'll get there. And having the patience and and the and the thought process, and like you said, networking with the right people, reading the right books, going to the right seminars, reading, listening to the right podcasts, all the things that you can do to engulf yourself. And and you know, like you said, knowledge is power. Knowledge is everything. Like if you don't know your numbers, if you don't know the right people, don't know the industry you're going to fail. So best you can do to go ahead. It, like a lot of times don't try to become a hundred percent better at something. Your biggest, like a lot of times people worry about the competition. I'm here to tell you the only competition you have that matters yeah. is you, who you were yesterday is what matters. That's your competition. Because even if you get 1% better per day at the end of the year, you're 365% better. 
right? And that's the thing. So as long as you look at yourself as the competition and you just want to be a better you every day, everything else will take care of itself. Yeah, absolutely. And if it's possible, you can do it, whatever it is. Exactly. So uh, how how can uh, people get in touch with you, John, or follow you? Absolutely. You can follow me on Instagram on my name, J-O-H-N-P-A-P-A-L-O-N-I, or just visit my website and it has all the links there at johnpapaloni.tv. John, this has been super fun and enlightening. I, you. you know, I, you know, like you said, it, if you follow your passion, which I know you are, because I can tell by everything that you are saying and the passion that goes behind your words, you know, I think both of us are doing what we love. And, you know, that's, that's probably most important more than money and anything else. The money will come. You got it. Take Thank care, John. Thanks. I want to remind everybody, like, follow and share, help us spread the word. Bye, John. Bye-bye.